All right, well, today is week 27 in our series, Forgive One Another. <sighs> it may seem like that, but there's so much good stuff in one another. And, and to not explore this fully is kind of just shortchanging you guys. So we were wanting to fully explore the one another of the Bibles, the one another's of the Bibles, uh, the Bible, only one Bible. And um, today we're talking about forgive one another. And probably one of the hardest ones we're going to talk about. Because there's a lot of things that we uh, have gone through that make it very hard to forgive. It sounds simple. It sounds easy. Like, I, I can let, let this go. I, I can not do this anymore and hold this pain and resentment. But then we look up five years later and we still have the same stuff going on in our life. When we said, well, man, if I just would have forgave that person, what would this last five years have looked like? And so today when we start exploring this, I want you to kind of take it as a, a personal challenge that there's things in your life, there's nobody sitting in there in here that is sinless, that's got everything worked out just right. We all got something to work on. And if there's something or somebody that you know that this applies to, then I want you to think about that and say, Lord, how do I get to that point where I can forgive one another, where I can just make this where it's just normal practice of my daily life that I don't have to try so hard, but I'm just doing it regularly. And I started thinking about, just now, I didn't have this in my notes or anything, it was just, I was thinking about this, and the culture we have today, if you look around, especially like the political culture we have today, is very contentious. You know, the Democrats, the Republicans, and it's, it's like uh, everybody hates the president, or you love him, was one, there's, no, there's no middle ground in that, it seems like. And the ones that hate him, it's extreme hate. Um, Trump derangement syndrome is what they call it. You know, people are literally going crazy over this guy being president, and they hate him, hate it with a passion. And you see it play out across the, the spectrum of, of our country. People are just having all kinds of violence and different things. You can't say something that somebody disagrees with that without them wanting to attack you. And it's gotten to the point where it's just where everybody is either taking a, such a hard-line stance that there's no love in it. There's no forgiving one another. And can you imagine um, what it would look like if this country started walking in forgiveness and we forgave one another? What this country would look like today would be vastly different than what it looks like right now. Because I don't like the way it looks right now. It's, it's, I don't like living here. I don't like, I don't like uh, sometimes I'm like, just, you know, let's move on to the next president or something. But that's not the answer because the hatred is still in our hearts. And we have to get rid of that. And forgiveness is the way. Forgiveness is the route. So today, I kind of titled this Pardon Me. Because, you know, when we bump into somebody at the grocery store, walking around, we, we just nonchalantly say, pardon me, you know, and, and you go about your day. But what you're really saying is, forgive me. It's just another way of saying, forgive me. And we freely give that out, right? Pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. You know, and, and it's just like nothing. We give that out freely. But forgive me is way harder. <laughs> Why is that? Well, you know, what's the, why, why is it so hard? And so let's, um, let's go today. I just kind of, first of all, I want to kind of start and look at what uh, this pardon means. And, and so there's a lot of places in the Bible where it actually uses the word pardon instead of forgive. And depending on which translation you're using, which verse, different things like that. But there's a lot of places. So I started kind of breaking it down a little bit. And um, first of all, and this wasn't, this one isn't on our uh, scripture list, so it's probably not going to be up on the board. So just write it down in your notes. But Colossians 3.13, it says, 
Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That would look good on our country today. It would look really good. It would look good in our church. It would look good in Russellville and Dardanelle and Pottsville. It would look good in Arkansas. It would look good anywhere you go if we could apply that freely. Just give it out. Just like we say, pardon me, we forgave one another. And so today I broke it down like what this, what this pardon is. And so the root is the Latin pardonare, which means to give completely. To give completely. Which was literally adopted by Old German and later by Old English where per became for, with the meaning of completely. So per or for means completely. The root of forgive is give, obviously. In Latin, it is pronounced dare, D-A-R-E, and means to give, offer, implant, impart, or to put on. So you start seeing there's some, some depth to this forgive thing that maybe we just have been looking at the surface level of it. Today, let's go a little bit deeper and see what that can mean for us in our lives. And in fact, there's, there are 29 words in Latin for the one English word, give. So in the Latin language, they, they have a multitude of words that you can give or speak to just one word of English, give. And so they must have had a, a, an understanding of forgiveness and a, a way to express that much more greatly than we do here because it was probably very important to them. And so, you know, I look at that sometimes and I'm like, this is so interesting how Cultures use different words and different things like that. Maybe it doesn't interest you as much as me, but it really interests me. Now, clinically, psychologists generally define forgiveness. So let's look at like it from the worldly standpoint, from the world, world standpoint. Psychologists generally define forgiveness as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group who has harmed you regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. That's a good one right there. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting, nor does it mean condoning or excusing offenses. And if you take that and they're starting to get this understanding of what forgiveness is and you start applying it to maybe just your inner circle first, your family, your, your, your parents, your, your kids, your and then it grows out, and it gets, starts to get into your, the larger part of your family. And, and pretty soon, you're, you're expanding out there, and it involves your church. Then you, you're, you're starting to become where you just start forgiving people on a regular basis because the small offense never will become a large offense. Do you understand that when we forgive often and, and, and regularly, then the, the resentment doesn't build up. We don't get to a place where it becomes hard to forgive that person because I've been walking in forgiveness. It's normal to me, and I practice it on a daily basis. Forgive me. I didn't mean that. Forgive me, or I forgive you, whatever it may apply. And we walk in this thing. It's regularly, and our relationships start to grow based on forgiveness and forgiving one another and not resenting one another or feeling pain towards one another. Many relationships in your family and in your lives will be healed and set free by one act of forgiveness. It's a miracle waiting to happen, a biblical miracle. Sometimes you may go about and say, I've never seen a miracle in my life. I don't even know what that looks like. Forgive somebody, you'll see a miracle happen in your life because people get healed in that, set free, and they go walk in this new thing, and they, 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 the relationship becomes healed and binds back together where it was once torn apart. It is a good thing. 
And we need to walk in that thing. So let's go to Ephesians 4.32. Let's get into the Word a little bit and um, see what God has for us. Ephesians 4.32. And it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So here's a direct commandment to get rid of this stuff in your life. Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And then replace it with be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Have you ever considered the offense that you're holding against somebody compared to the offense that God forgave you of? There's a, there's a story in the Bible that talks about that, right? About this, this guy that you know, held this little bit of for, uh, unforgiveness towards somebody, and the king had forgave him you know, this debt of millions. And so we we got to put that into, into consideration sometimes and put a perspective on it. Today I'm looking for our perspective to change just a little bit because your destination will change greatly if your perspective changes just a little bit. So if our perspective on forgiveness just can change just a little bit today, our destination, where we'll end up, will change greatly. Because remember back here, one of the words that uh, to, to, to uh, the dare part of, of the give meant to implant or impart. Something will be implanted in you today through forgiveness or imparted to you or imparted to somebody you know through forgiveness. That is the love of God being implanted in somebody by the simple words of, I forgive you, will you forgive me? It's powerful. It has such miracle power in your life. Let's go over to Numbers 14. We're going to go 18 through 20. Numbers 14. Okay, Numbers 14, and then we'll start in 18. Let's see. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Where did I go? In accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people, just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you have asked. Here we're seeing the story. We start to get into a story of the Exodus and, and what's going to happen here. I'm going to kind of share this story of the Exodus and, and the forgiveness of God through this process. And what it looked like way back in the Old Testament before Jesus came on the scene. Of course, Jesus was still in the scene. It just wasn't, you know, it just doesn't talk about him here directly. But we're going to get to get a picture of what this looks like. And here, you start to see about some generational stuff. And you might be asking yourself, what does that mean? If you're taking the freedom class, you've probably already heard about this. But there is a generational thing that happens in our life. We tend to carry things on from family, not from family to family, but from family member to family member as we go down the line. I tend to pass things to my son, who then passes it to his son or daughter, who then passes it to her son or daughter, his son and daughter, and so on and so forth. Even it says to the third or fourth generation. So we keep getting this thing that just keeps happening in our family. And many times something has escaped from your mouth that says this. 
it's always this way in our family, or it's always going to be this way in my family. It's just the way it is in our family, right? We, we just, just say those things regularly because ah, it's a way of just getting rid of the, of, of the, the it's a reasoning, kind of an excuse for why we do certain things. It's just the way it is in our family. And that doesn't have to be that way. It just takes one member of that family, one, you, to stand up and say, today I'm choosing to not pass this on to my next generations, but I stand firm in the word of God and forgive. It breaks that thing. It, it just cuts it right off. And no longer does the, the chain of, of, of generational sin and generational hurt and pain and unforgiveness pass on, but healing and love and restoration is what you pass on. It's, it's such a wonderful thing. It, it heads in the right direction. You can leave a legacy to your kids that doesn't involve hurt. Let's go to Micah uh, chapter 7. Micah chapter 7. We'll be doing uh, 18 through 20. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of, it is, of, of, excuse me, of his inheritance? Get those words out. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. God is not angry with you. Do you understand that? Some of you really have put that, self, that on you. God's mad at me. I just say, I'm, I'm not deserving of his love. I'm not deserving of, of, of him from forgiving me. And you just walk around with your head down, tail between your legs, because you think you deserve it. I'm here to tell you today, you do not deserve that, okay? God is wanting to give you something, and that is freedom from that thought. God is wanting to give you restoration in your life where you don't walk around like that, but your head becomes lifted up. And in fact, you want to lift up to you, look up to heaven and say, thank you, Lord, for setting me free in this area. Thank you, Lord, that I no longer want to walk in that shame and guilt. God is not mad at you. He yet uh, says, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Thank God for that, that he will just tread your sins under your feet. He's not only forgiven you, wiped the slate clean, he puts them under his feet and treads on them, stomps them away. I mean, that, you, know, you start to look at the language of the Bible, it's so cool that it's like, God, God goes the extra step every time. He doesn't go ever halfway. He always goes all the way. Remember the four, which became dare in that, in that one part of forgiveness? It means completely completely. There's nothing God doesn't always complete. He always goes all the way. And so if you're thinking like, well, he doesn't touch that area of my life. Today, he's going to touch that area of, the, of your life if you allow him to. He's going to complete the good work that he's begun until the day of Jesus Christ. Exodus 19. Now we kind of get more into the, uh, the Exodus, the uh, coming out of Egypt and things like that. So Exodus chapter 19 verses... Uh, 1 through 11, so quite a few. Okay, so it says, On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him, 
from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to, to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So let me kind of just to the side here say, now the, the, it obviously is in context speaking about a, a historical event here. And so you got to look into that context there. Okay, so he's talking about and giving, giving an account of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. And this is an account of that from, from Moses. <clears throat> but remember that all Scripture can edify us, so we because the, the Bible tells us that. So we know that this can apply to me. This can apply to you. So you got to say, how does this apply to me? Well, if we've been grafted into the covenant, right? We've been grafted into that. So no longer is it just Israel and the Jewish nation that has become the the chosen people of God, but we as Christians have been grafted into that, and now you are also called chosen in the people of God. So any of the promises applied there apply to you. So if you were to be say, uh, I'm a kingdom, uh, I have a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's you guys, a holy nation. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. I thought it was very interesting right here. He says, I'm coming to you in a dense cloud. And he says, for the reason is so, they, so they'll always listen. You know? They'll always hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. He always said these people were stubborn. He had to come in a dense cloud just to get them to listen to him. It's like it, Some of this stuff just kind of stands out to me. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people on the third day. You see that happen for the New Testament. Something interesting happens on the third day as well. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. Pretty serious consequences here. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. You know, uh, no person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they approach the mountain. Now let's go over to Exodus 32, 1 through 4. So you're kind of getting an idea of what's happening here and uh, kind of a, a background story on it. Exodus 32, uh, 1 through 4. Starting in verse 1, it says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, he'd been up there a while, God was speaking to him, imparting something to him, and uh, he said that they, come in, he was, they were so long coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So one thing happens out of place for them. You know, they, 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 Moses is up there a while. They're expecting him to come down. They get a little bit antsy, a little bit uh, in a hurry, impatient a little bit. You know, they're the fourth guy in the grocery line that has, you know, the, a 
the person in front of them's got 25 items in the 20-aisle section. And they're, they're saying, you know what? I'm not waiting for this any longer. I'm going to this other aisle. And suddenly that aisle's open. But <laughs> that happens every time. But they, they get impatient in this. And they keep thinking. They're saying, let's make a plan of our own. Let, let's not wait on the, the plan of God. Let's not go according to his covenant and his, his, his relationship with us. But let's do our own thing. Let's go our own way. And we'll see kind of how that works out for them. But they're, they're just stubborn. Is there any stubborn people in the house today? Just wondering. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioned it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Suddenly, this thing made by their hands, made by man, has become a god to them. They're declaring it as such. This thing brought us out of Egypt. No, they knew full well who really brought them out of Egypt. They saw the miracles. They saw the Red, this Red Sea part. They saw the water coming out of the rock. They saw, you know, all this stuff happen. The manna coming down from heaven and fed them. How can you suddenly go, I've seen the goodness of God. I've seen him glorified in my presence. And yet I'm going to give up and go my own direction. How does that happen? Was there something building up in their hearts, this resentment that they haven't dealt with, this unforgiveness, because obviously they needed to forgive God in that moment because did God deserve their forgiveness? No, he, he, didn't, he didn't have to have their forgiveness in that moment, but they needed to forgive God. Do you understand? It was about them releasing something and getting past something because if they had given it to God in that moment, so Lord, I've been building up resentment. I'm impatient. I, I can't wait, but Lord, I forgive you and I move on. I give that to you, Lord. God would have still been their plan. God wouldn't have gotten, there wouldn't have been an idol, a, ca- a golden calf idol. There wouldn't have been those things getting in the way. Now, we, we talk about a, an idol of a, a golden calf idol, but what is it in your life that you get impatient and you make an idol in your life? I'm just going to take that new job because that's what I want to do, and it's going to be a promotion later on. And it's going to benefit me and my family. And you never took it before the Lord in prayer and said, is this what God wants me to do? We do all kinds of things that we want to make our own plans, and they become idols in our lives. And this is what they're doing here. Exodus 32, and then go to, we'll go to uh, verse 9, and we'll do 9 through 24. So just go down a little bit. Nine, let's see, 9 through 24. Yeah. So it says, this Lord says, I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord as God. He said, Lord, why should should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that you brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, or repent, or forgive. There's another way to say that. And do not bring disaster on your people. Verse 13 says, Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land, I promise them, and it will be their inheritance forever. 
Then the Lord relented or forgave. And he says relented. He had, a, he had a spirit of forgiveness is what this really means. God doesn't need to, doesn't need to forgive us. As far as, you know, God didn't do anything wrong in this, in this situation. That's what I'm trying to say. God didn't do anything wrong. He didn't need to seek forgiveness. But he was having a spirit of forgiveness towards the people. You understand? He, it was something about him. God is just love which forgives. And love and forgiveness go hand in hand. And God was having to be reminded how much he loved these people. Sometimes you have to be reminded how much importance are in those relationships you have in your life that once were there and not there anymore because of a hardened heart or a stiff neck because you've refused to, to forgive. Moses turned and went down the mountain with two tablets of the covenant of the law in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, There is the sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, it is not the sound of victory. It is not the sound of defeat. It is the sound of singing that I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the, and the dancing, his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. Two situations we see, you see here. The Lord became angry to the point that he was willing to destroy those people. Now, did it take a man to remind God of his plan? Yeah, God, Moses did do that there, but I believe it was God's plan all along. But here now we see Moses get angry. He's also got resentment and anger. And he took the, the, the calf and, and, the, and the people he had made, he took the calf the people had made and burned it in the fire. Then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites, Israelites drink it. I would say he completely took care of that calf. He said to Aaron, what did these people do to you that you led them into such a great sin? Do not be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. It's not my fault. <laughs> these people are just bad all the time, you know. <laughs> they said to me, make us gods who would go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold, and I threw it into the fire, and, came, and out came this calf. <laughs> Miracles happening with this calf, man. That's what he's trying to tell Moses. Like, I just threw the gold in the fire, and the calf popped out. No wonder we were worshiping it. And uh, Moses saw the people that were running wild, and Aaron had let them get out of control, and so became a laughing stock to their enemies. And so become a laughing stock to their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Israelites, uh, the Levites, rallied to him. I've gone way past where our scripture stopped. The point I'm trying to get here is that you, you, you see a picture of, of rebellion and, and uh, of, of sin, great sin happening here. And these people, you, sometimes we look at this and go, man, how could they do that? How could they possibly seen the goodness of God, yet go this route so quickly. And in fact, one of their leaders, Aaron, had the gall to just kind of go along with it and then make excuses later on. Now, is there anything in our lives that sounds like that? Is there anything that's speaking to you and saying, man, I've, I've, I've done some things like that. I've maybe not gone and made a calf out of gold earrings, but I've done some things that have led me to idol worship in a, in a way. I've done some things to rebel against God. 
I've done some things. And you might sit there, no, I, I don't rebel against God. I'm, I walk in righteousness every day of my life. But yet, if you're holding unforgiveness towards somebody, it's just like making that calf out of gold. You understand? That's still rebellion. It, it, there's no difference there. God doesn't grade rebellion. Well, that's a, you know, a high rebellion. This is a minor rebellion, like the white lie thing that we put into our, our, our language to let us get away with a lie. A lie's a lie, right? It's either true or not true. That's why I read the Bible. It's true every time. There's no falsehood in it. But it, rebellion is rebellion. And so unforgiveness in our hearts and walking around with this bitter anger and resentment is rebellion towards God. Why? Because God told you not to have it. He said, forgive those people like I forgave you. Forgive them like I forgive you. And we have to realize that there's something more going on than just this perception that these people deserve my anger. Because there's somebody in your life that you feel like has deserved your anger. Maybe right now, maybe in the past, or maybe in the future somebody will come along and do something terrible in your life to you or to somebody you love, and you, you just burn with anger. And you can't find a way to let it go. You cry out to the Lord many times, Lord, take this from me, and it's still there. And why do you think that is? The only thing I can think of is that God is the discerner of the heart, right? And if he really knows the intent and thoughts of our heart, our very being, that he knows that if you're really willing to give that up or not. Because I believe if you're willing and your heart is ready to give something up, to give it to God, then God will take that from you and never give it back to you. He'll always put it under his feet, trample it. He'll do like he did that, uh, like Moses did that calf. He destroyed that thing to powder. <laughs> I mean, he didn't just, just say, hey, throw it, in the, throw it in the woods, we'll get rid of it. He, he destroyed that thing. Why? Because he does things completely. And his example in the Bible is complete forgiveness, for complete destroying of, of rebelliousness. rebelliousness. See, I, I mess up all the time. <laughs> That's all right. So look at this for a second. So we got four give. So if you put together the four and give, they, they mean much more than just letting go. There's, there's much, more, much more there. For we see Jesus, really, you see his calling in forgive. We see his his, his essence, his very purpose in the words forgive. Because remember, the, the four, the dare is completely, right? So you see completely. And then the give, I, I named some few different things that he is. So Jesus, we know, is completely gives. He completely offers. He completely implants. He completely imparts. He completely places on you the goodness of God forgive. It, it means much more. It's about what Jesus is. So if you want to be Christ-like, you walk in forgiveness because he forgave you. He completely gives you everything. And he just wants you to give that pain back to him, that resentment, that, that, that thing you've been holding on to, just to release it, to let it go. Let the grip just loosen a little bit. And when you do, God will help you walk the rest of the way. Do you understand? He's not wanting you to do this alone. But you have to take the first step. It's like whenever we gave our life to Christ, right? There was always a first step, something you had to do. Lift your hand in the air, 
you know, or walk out of the aisle, come down to the front. There's something you had to do to take the first step, right? And then when you did, you start to feel the change happen. You started feeling something going on. You're thinking, what is this? You're all nervous because people are you know, looking at you and stuff. But you started feeling God's presence on you. And you started feeling, it almost felt like his hand was pulling you or holding your hand. And when you got up here and prayed that prayer, or whatever you did, wherever that prayer was prayed, you, you believed in your heart that Jesus was Lord, and your life was transformed and trans- and trans- for, the rest- for the rest of your days. You were completely changed. You became a new person, and you felt it in you. Remember that day. Remember that day, because what we do as Christians, we forget that day. We forget how good God was on that day, how much he spoke to your heart, how much he meant to you and, and restored you that day. We forget that day, and if you've never experienced that day, today's your day to experience that don't let another day go by. Today is your day to experience that. Forgiveness is like that because it's the very essence of Jesus that gave, brought you to salvation, that drew you to the cross. The very essence of Jesus is also in the forgiveness. We saw that right there. If you break down the word, that's what it means. It's the very essence of Jesus. So if you want to be Christ-like, you take that first step. You take that first step. God will walk with you the rest of the way. He'll lead you through it. So today is that day to to be set free from those things. It needs to become natural to us. There's so many things in our life that are just second nature. We do without thinking. We practice it so often that we do things without thinking. Like driving. You ever drove for a while and you you look up and you're like, man, I just went through four red lights. I don't even remember doing it. You know, (laughs) it's kind of scary. I do it quite often. And, and, uh, and, and it's like, how did I do that? Because it's second nature. I drive so much that it's second nature. I wasn't really thinking about that. I was thinking about some other things. And my mind wasn't on driving, per se. But I was doing it well. And uh, I'm sure, even though I don't remember, but I'm sure I was. And it, but it just did it, right? Second nature. Or a good player in sports, whatever that sport is. Say you're playing football. And if any of you played football or basketball or volleyball, whatever you played, you practiced your sport over and over and over again. In fact, in your position, you really practiced that over and over again, shagging fly balls or whatever. You did it over and over again, taking batting practice over and over again. So much so, you're probably like, God, coach, come on, can we do something else? But they kept imparting into you something that was important, that needed to become natural in your life, that needed to be something that you just did with ease when the situation arose, when the, the, when the hard time came, when you had to get up and perform in front of somebody or whatever, you did it without thinking. And, and then all these things just became natural in your life. Forgiveness needs to be like that. If we're willing to put that much into our athletic abilities or that much into whatever other uh, things that you do well, if we're willing to put that much effort into those so they become natural, why wouldn't we put that much effort into forgiveness when it is much more important? We need to be natural at it. This is how it's going to change your life, to walk in this thing on a daily basis. I don't want you to just forgive somebody today. I want you to forgive somebody every day of the rest of your life from here on out. And it might be more than one person. There's always going to be somebody that forgives you or that you need to forgive. And I think about this. You think about Jesus hanging on the cross. He's literally up there. He's been beat on, spit on, whipped. The cat of nine tails. You ever seen this thing? You would, you just, many of y'all seen the Passion of the Christ where they just, he's got these little metal things on, on, on these strings that just dug into his flesh it was just horrible 
He endured all of this for you, by the way. And then when he got up on the cross, he's hanging up there. And what is his words? One of his last words. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. He had a heart of forgiveness in that last moment when he was dying on the cross. And his last words were to think about you and us and say, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But now you know what you're doing if you're walking with Christ. You're not walking out of here ignorant. God's expecting of something of you today now. You've heard the words of forgiveness. You know what it means. So if Jesus can do that, and I, I doubt that any of us can say we've been through what he went through on that, on that day. None of us have been through something like that. But we've been through some things. And we've been taken advantage of. We've been hurt. We've been abused. A lot of things have happened in our lives. Me personally, and, and I know you as well. And it seems as bad as that, right? Sometimes it seems like nobody has gone through as much as you have. And the fact is, if Jesus could let that go in that moment, and remember he was a man still, he was walking in human form, then we can too. We can follow his example and walk in that. Forgive them. And he said this, he said in the Bible later on, the, the words of the Bible say, you're saying that this is impossible. I cannot do this. I cannot do it. I've tried for years. The, remember, he said, all things are possible for him that believes. You have to believe that it's possible. Just believe that it's possible. That's, that's where you start. Just believe. Okay, it's possible that God could do this. It's possible that God could do this. And that's that kind of that first step. And then take another step and another step. And next thing you know, you've become natural at it. Because if you can get past the big thing in your life, the big one, and forgive that, then everything else will seem such with ease. I guarantee it, because it becomes easier for you. You always want to tackle the hard thing first. That's the way I am. You tackle the hard thing first, the the hard task, the big task, and then do the little ones, light ones later on. This is what needs to happen in our lives today. And I want to give you guys that opportunity. I I never want to have us leave and say, you know what, we didn't give the people an opportunity to to, to get what they needed, to put action to their faith. Because I, I guarantee a lot of us have a different faith, a different view of what's going on in our lives today, and that's good. It's good to have a different perspective, to be looking things, looking at things a little bit differently than when you came through the doors. And hopefully every time you come to church, that's the way it is, right? You get, you get a little different perspective. you got something in that word that you carry with you and you walk out with, right? Because the living word of God is... It can do so much things, and it pierces to the, 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 the soul, and, the, and, the, and every, it pierces everything. It pierces the flesh, and it pierces the spirit. If you look at that, there's two different things it's piercing. It completely pierces you. So there's no way we should walk out the door if we've been listening to the word of God, which we, that's why I read a lot of verses, because I, I can talk forever, but if we don't read the words of God, that it doesn't mean anything. It's just a sounding bell, a ringing, you know, a ringing bell tickles the ears a little bit, but the Word of God changes and transforms us. You've heard the Word of God today about forgiveness. Let it change you and transform you. If you need prayer today, if you'd like the opportunity, um, I'd like to give you guys the chance to at least have somebody come in agreement with you, to pray with you and believe with you. Can I have the, the, some of the lead team members come up? You guys sit there, you know, to pray today. <laughs> and uh, Preston, Megan, you want to come up too? We have plenty of, uh, plenty of people up here to pray with you. 
if y'all need somebody just to come in agreement with you, it takes sometimes this somebody saying, you know what, I stand with you. I believe that God is going to work a miracle in your life. That's all these people are here for you. They're here for you. It's not something that they're going to put, you, put pressure on you or do anything that's out of place or make you feel weird. Your first step to freedom, your first step to healing is getting out of that seat and walking down. So I don't know if we have some music or something we can play here. So just take this time, and if you're, if you're sitting in your seat, I ask you just to be in a, a, a place of prayer. Maybe you're going to sit right there and get your miracle. That, that's fine, too. What, wherever you get your miracle today is fine with me. Just, just walk out with it, okay? Whether it's in your seat or you want to come out and have somebody pray with you, take advantage of what God's offered you today. Don't leave here the same way you came in.